The following sermon is by James Solerick, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor James Solerick. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for reminding us this morning of your faithfulness and of your ability. And even though we're kind of in this crazy, uncertain time in our, in our lives, and our history, we're grateful that you are with us. We're grateful that you are faithful. We are grateful that you are good. And that's just our prayer as we uh, meet together virtually, digitally this morning, that uh, your words, your hope, the encouragement that you give through your son, Jesus, uh, it would go out into our community. It would go out into all this, all the world. And just encourage people this morning, Father, just lift them up, let them know that you're with them, and just thank you that we can have this worship service together. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, wherever you're joining us from, you are very welcome. My name is James, and today we are just going to be talking about one word. And that one word is the word remember. Remember. Now, all of us have a few uh, very clear, very vivid memories of our lives of pivotal moments, don't we? For many of us, if you're an adult, you can remember 9-11 like it was yesterday, right? You can remember where you were. Or you can remember uh, what you were doing when you received that news. Now, for kids out there, we got our news a lot different than we get it today back then. We didn't have the smartphones. We didn't have news the second it happened. We didn't get it. We had to wait a little bit, or we had to watch a TV show, or we had to get the news on a phone call. So we didn't get the news like we got it today. But I can remember for me, I was in college on 9-11, you know, about 20-some years ago, and uh, it was our first year of college. Went to a Christian college, and we had these chapel services every day, kind of like a church service, or we'd have music and a message. And I can remember going into chapel that day, and it seemed a little odd, but I didn't pay much attention to it, because usually when you came into chapel, uh, there was music playing. But this day, it sounded like there was a, a radio show or a news broadcast going over the sound system in the gymnasium where we had chapel. But I didn't think much about it. Went ahead and found my friend, sat down, getting ready for chapel. But then I remember as soon as chapel started, one of the administrators stood up and they gave several hundred of us the news of what had just happened. And I remember the emotions of that day, the sadness and the fear and the anger and the calls home to talk to your family about it and, and the groups of us that would huddle around TVs because we didn't have the smartphones. We'd huddle around the TVs and, and watch the news reports coming out of New York City and Washington, D.C. and Pennsylvania. And then I can very clearly remember that night. There was a bunch of us huddled in what we called our student center around the TV screen, and we watched and we listened as President Bush addressed the nation for the very first time in this crazy, uncertain time that we were living in. So we have memories of these pivotal moments in our past. Maybe it's a birth or a graduation or a marriage or a death of a loved one. But we're kind of living in one of those times right now, aren't we? 
I mean, this is going to be a time because of the difficulty and the uncertainness and that it's unprecedented. This is going to be a time that we're going to remember for the rest of our lives. In 5, 10, 20, 30, 50 years down the road, we're going to tell our kids and our grandkids about this crazy time that we're living in. But while we do have a lot of very vivid memories, the truth of the matter is that it seems like, if you're like me, that we forget more than we remember. And here's why. Because typically, remembering something takes effort. It takes deliberate attention. But forgetting something, it's, it's natural. It's just as natural as gravity. So the gravitational pull of our, of our brains, of our memories, is forgetfulness. So to remember something, it takes attention. It takes discipline. So if you're like me, you have ways to remember things. Maybe use Evernote or the, your phone or the Google Calendar. But for me, I kind of showed my age this week to my family, and I was having note cards with lists and notepads with lists and lists on my phones, and it was all, in all these different places, and I just was feeling overwhelmed and distracted and couldn't keep it all together. So I went and ordered something. When it came on Amazon, my family got a good laugh. You may not think this is funny, but for me, this was my old man purchase of the week. I feel like my dad now. I've got the portfolio with the notepad in it, and I don't know. You may not think this is funny, but my family got a good laugh out of now. Now I'm officially an old man, okay? But whatever you use, we all have methods to help us remember because the natural tendency of our lives is to forget. So I did a little research this week about how much do we remember, how much do we forget? And there was one research project that researched some different things, and it said, uh, imagine as an adult that you sat through a one-hour training or a one-hour class or one-hour lecture. They said, how much of that would you remember? Well, they said uh, in the average group of adults, one hour after you sat through this one-hour training, you would have forgotten 50% of what you heard. After 24 hours, after one day, you would have forgotten 75% of what you'd heard. And after one week, you would have forgotten 90%. You would have only remembered 10% of what you heard. And so blessings to you teachers, and that's why teachers have to be so creative, and they try to provide this experience for the kids in their classroom so that they can touch, and they can hear, and they can see, and they can experience, because they know that as they experience things, they're more likely to remember it. So it's even like today. Now, I know we're not going to remember 100% of what I say today, but hopefully you'll remember the 10% that's most important. But that's why today I'm going to be talking. Hopefully you're watching on the video. And there's going to be a couple things on the screen to help us to remember. So what's the point? Why are we talking today about remembering? Why is, import why is it important? What's the big deal? Well, I don't need to convince you that we are in a crazy time right now, that we are in a difficult time. It's uncertain. Many have called it unprecedented. And we as a community, as a country, as a world, we are battling something that we've never really battled before. And I know there's physical pain out there. There's emotional pain. There's mental illness. There's the financial struggle of jobs being lost and incomes being reduced. And for those of you who are business owners, the pressure of how do I keep my business afloat and care for my family, but also care for my employees. And, and there's just a lot of craziness and uncertainty and just discouragement going around right now. But I'd like today to not make light of our current situation, not say that it's not serious, not say that it's not real, but I'd like to offer us a little bit of hope, a little bit of light, 
or a little bit of encouragement in the midst of this crazy time. And I think one of the keys for us to have hope right now is to remember. But what is it that we're remembering? We're remembering something in the past. Specifically, what we're remembering in the past is God's faithfulness in the past. God's goodness in the past. You know, Adam just led us in the song called Never Once. And that, that is someone who's looking back over their life and saying, never once did I ever walk alone because God, you were always with me. And so I want to invite us on a little journey this morning for the next few minutes to reflect back on our lives to the events in the past, specifically the difficult times. And can we remember that God was with us then? He was faithful then. He was good then. And then maybe... That can offer us some hope and encouragement now. Because if you've lived for any time at all, you know that difficult times are a rhythm of life. And like I said, I'm not uh, making light of our current situation at all. I know it is very serious. But I am saying that, hey, difficult times to one extreme or another are a rhythm of life. And if we can look back over our past difficult times and remember that God was with us then, maybe we can remember today that God is with us now. So when we stop to remember, when I stop to remember God's faithfulness, God's goodness in the past, at least three things happen. We're going to talk about these three things today. Number one, when I stop to remember the goodness of God, it connects me with all that God has done in the past. It connects me with all that God has done in the past. I want you to journey with me into the distant past. Several thousand years ago, in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, and there is this nation of Israel. One of their greatest leaders was this guy named Moses. Now, Moses has just led the people of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, where they were slaves for around 400 years. And he's led them through this wilderness journey of 40 years. And now they are about ready to go into this promised land, this land that for generations they've told stories about and said, one day God is going to give us this land. They are on the edge. They're on the brink of going into this land. But Moses knows he's been told by God that he's going to die. He's not going to get to lead the people into this promised land. And so Moses is giving his farewell speech, his farewell address to the people before they go into the promised land. And he has just finished recounting the miraculous events of the past 40 years, the 10 plagues and the crossing of the Red Sea and how God provided food and water for these people, several million people for 40 years, how their clothes never wore out, and on and on and on. And Moses finishes recounting their miraculous history of how God was with them. And he says, here's a couple things that I need to say to you before you go into this new land. So we look at the book book of Deuteronomy chapter 4. This is Moses talking to the people of Israel. He says, but watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. So Moses knew that our natural tendency is forgetfulness. So he said, be careful. Watch out. Don't forget the memories, all the things I just rehashed for you. Don't forget it. And remember to pass it on to your children, and to your grandchildren. He keeps going in Deuteronomy 6. He says, The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. 
You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. So the Israelites were getting ready to go into this time of abundance, this time of plenty that they didn't really have to work for, that God was basically going to lay in their laps. And Moses said, hey, in this time of abundance, don't forget God and what he's done in the past. Then the last thing I'll mention from this farewell speech of Moses was this. He said, when you go in the land, that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. So once again, can you, can you sense the theme going on here? Moses said, you're getting ready to go into a new chapter of life, and it's going to be an abundant, plentiful time. And there are kind of a couple times in life that we seem to forget God. One is in times of plenty, and we, and we think we got there all of ourselves and we forgot God. But sometimes it's like the current time we're in right now where it's discouraging and it's hard and, it, and it's difficult to remember what God has done. But that's why it's so important for us to remember God's goodness in the past because it connects us with all that he's already done. So when I stop to remember, it connects me with all God has done in the past. So our question that goes along with this first point is this. What are you doing to remember what God has done? What are you doing to remember what God has done? Because it takes intentionality, right? And I've shared this with many of you before, but I'll share it one more time because it's, it's been so helpful for me. But I have this little gratitude journal. Journal's kind of a, a fancy word. It's just a simple $2 notebook. And what I try to do is every day write down three things that I'm thankful for. My wife's been doing this longer than me. My kids have been doing this. But it really helps me to stop and remember each day, and it connects me with what God has done in the past. It could be something huge like this amazing answer to prayer that you've been praying for for years. Or it could be something small like one of the things this week is spaghetti and meatballs is my favorite meal. And so I wrote in here, I had spaghetti and meatballs for dinner. Whatever it is, something simple, but it reminds us of who we are. You know, as, as parents, we do this all the time. We love telling our kids stories about us as a kid and about their grandparents and maybe their great-grandparents because we know how our story and our parents' story are part of their story, and we want them to know their story. A couple years ago, I did this with our family. We went to Ohio, which is where my parents are from, and we went to Dayton, Ohio, and visited with my dad's family, and then we went to Ashland, Ohio, visited with my mom's family, and Ashland, Ohio is actually where my family lived for most of my elementary years. So I did what every good dad would do, is I put all the kids in the car, and I drove around town for several hours, making sure they saw every single house I'd ever lived in. Now, for me as a kid, that was a lot of houses. We seemed to move every six months or a year. Now, what do you think? Did my kids like it? No, not at all. They're like, when can we be done? We don't care. They kind of liked it a little bit when we stopped at the playground where I played, and they kind of liked that, or the swimming pool or the baseball field. They kind of liked that. But they didn't love, they didn't appreciate that as much as I did. But it was important for me to share my story with my kids. For those of you who know my family, you, you know that my wife is from Ireland, and, and she grew up there, and most of her family is there. And so that's why it was important for us a couple summers ago to get me and her and all the kids over there all at the same time and be there for an extended period of time. 
and spend time with the grandparents and the aunts and uncles and the cousins and to see the sights because that is part of their story. So we do this as parents. We want to connect our kids with the past, with what God has done in the past. You know, for us personally, about a year ago, March, April of 2019, was a really difficult time for our family. I had some health things pop up that I wasn't aware of, and, and we had this month, month and a half of waiting to see if it would be cancer. You know, we had uh, the first close family member in my life that had ever passed away kind of happened, and then one of our kids had a health thing right after that. So it was kind of like boom, 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 three punches right in a row. And it was difficult, and it was hard. But now that we're a year removed from that, I can look back and say, hey, yeah, it was hard. There were some bumps and bruises, and we got some things right. We got some things wrong. But you know what? God was with us through that. And so when I look back at that, I can transport those memories in the past into right now, and I can say, hey, you know, God's got this. God is still with me now because he was with me in the past. So when I stop to remember, it connects me with all that God has done in the past. Number two, when I stop to remember, it allows me to experience what God is doing in the present. It allows me to experience what God is doing in the present. So Moses has given his farewell speech to the people of Israel. He's gone away. He's died. Now there's a new person in charge. His name is Joshua. And Joshua's job is to lead the people of Israel into the promised land and into the conquest of this land that God has promised them. But there's one obstacle in the way to start, and it is the Jordan River. And the Bible tells us that it isn't just any time of the year. It is flood season, so the banks of the Jordan River are overflowing. There's probably around 2 million Israelites at this time, and Joshua has to get them across the river. Well, God again does this miraculous thing. He stops the Jordan River, and for several miles, there's no water. It instantly becomes dry, and 2 million people get to cross the river on dry ground. But God doesn't want the people to miss the moment. He wants them to be part of what he's doing in the present. And so here's what he tells Joshua to do just after two million people have crossed the river. Look at Joshua 4. Here's what happens. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. So you get in the picture? God didn't want them to miss this moment. So they cross the river. Joshua sends 12 men back into the dry riverbed. They bend down, pick up the biggest stone as they can carry. They put it on their shoulder, take it to the new side of the river, and they construct a memorial there. So that later on down the road, maybe a week or a year or two years or 10 years, they're walking by the river with their children, 
and they see the pile of stones. And the kids say, hey, what's the deal with these stones? What do these stones mean? And then you as a parent or a grandparent or an adult, you get to tell them the amazing miracle of the crossing of the Jordan River. And you get to tell them all about this amazing God that we have. So when we stop to remember, even in the moment, it connects us with what God is doing right now in the present. So what are you involved in right now that God is doing? What are you involved in right now that God is doing? Pastor Dan already mentioned at the beginning how so many of you have just rallied around needs in our community. Whether they be for face masks or food or meals or finances, you have been amazing at showing up at being part of what God is doing right now. And even the online impact that, that God has given our church has been uh, exponential. It's been amazing. We've been so blessed. We've been so privileged. But I think a lot of us, our focus right now is something like this. When is this going to be over? Or I can't wait until. Now that's fine. That's okay. Because I'm with you. I cannot wait until the kids go back to school, right? Or I cannot wait until we get to meet as a church again. Or I cannot wait until there's live sports on TV, right? That's okay. It's okay to be waiting. But I heard someone say this this week, or maybe a couple weeks ago. They said, don't waste the wait. Don't waste the wait. So while we are waiting, God is still doing something. I'm going to put a quote up here that I, that I came across this week from a pastor in North Carolina. It said, the goal isn't just to get through this. The goal is for God to show you something in it that makes you better on the other side. So we're not just trying to get through this. Yes, we are trying to get through this. And yes, we can't wait to whatever the other side, till we get to it, to whatever that's going to look like. But in the moment, God is doing something. In the moment, God is doing something in our own lives. God is doing something in our community, in our country, in the world. And I would encourage you to not waste the wait to be part of whatever it is that God is doing right here, right now. So when I stop to remember... It connects me with what God's done in the past. It allows me to experience what God is doing in the present. Then number three, it gives me confidence in what God will do in the future. It gives me confidence in what God will do in the future. One of the most famous stories in the Bible is the story of David and Goliath. And even if you didn't grow up in church or you don't know much of the Bible, you've probably heard this phrase, David versus Goliath. Now, in our culture, it's usually used in a sports analogy, right? A small school versus a big school, some puny guys versus some big guys. But this is most powerfully shown for me as a kid that played high school basketball in Indiana in the classic movie of Hoosiers, all right? I know this is made in the 80s. Not all of you have seen it. But as a high school kid playing basketball in the state of Indiana, this was like a rite of passage. Every year before the state basketball tournament, you and your basketball team, you packed into a hotel room, you packed into somebody's living room, and you watched this movie because this gave you confidence. I went to a really small school. This gave you confidence that everybody had a chance because this small school in the state of Indiana won the state title, and that gave everybody hope. And there's a really powerful scene from this movie right before the state championship game where they're in the locker room and the coach makes this emotional speech and some of the players say something. And then a couple guys in suits come in the room and they say, all right, preacher, it's your turn. Well, the pastor of the town, the preacher, he reads verses from the true story of David and Goliath and then he prays a prayer. So it's all about the underdog. 
Well, let's look at the true story of David and Goliath from 1 Samuel 17. Here's David. He's not a soldier. He's a shepherd boy, but yet no one is volunteered to fight this giant Goliath except for David. And the king and his brothers and the soldiers are like, you're crazy. You're a boy. You don't have military experience. He is going to cut your head off. But David kept persisting, and here was the reason why he had the hope, he had the confidence as a shepherd boy to take on a giant. Here's what he said in 1 Samuel 17. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So do you see what he did? David said, I have confidence right now because of what God did for me in the past. And he said, I was taking care of the sheep. And as a kid, I I heard this story dozens of times. And I always thought David had defeated one lion and one bear. But it almost looks like there might have been multiple lions and multiple bears. So So David said, because God has helped me defeat lions and bears in the past, I know this giant, this Goliath, is way bigger than any of those battles. But I think God's got this. I think God can deliver me from this because he delivered me from the lions and bears in the past. So I know right now for most of us, this is a Goliath giant hard time. And we've talked about all the reasons. I don't need to remind you what those reasons are. You are experiencing it. But I wonder, even though this is a huge, difficult time, if you can look back in your past, do you see any lions? Do you, do you see any bears that, that God defeated, that God was with you through those battles? Can, can those memories come to, to the here and now and, and in the future and, and give you hope and give you confidence? Maybe there's some treasures in your past, these stories, these memories that you've buried, that maybe unintentionally you've suppressed, that you've got to go back and do some work and, and dig them up and unearth them and bring those memories into the present, into the future, so they affect us. You know, hope's a big word right now, isn't it? Hope is what we want. Hope is what we need. I was watching the NFL draft on Thursday night. I've never actually watched the NFL draft before, but I had to watch it because it was the closest thing to sports we've had for about a month and a half. So at the beginning of the NFL draft, before it even started, before they were picking players and stuff like this, there was about a two or three minute uh, kind of video clip narrated by Peyton Manning, and it was all about one word. It was all about hope because that's what everybody is asking for, everyone is desiring right now. Well, I came across another quote this week from Rick Warren. Here's what he said about hope. He said, hope is anticipating God's goodness. The foundation of all hope is the goodness of God. So do you want hope right now? I believe you do. I do. Do you want encouragement right now? The foundation of all hope is the goodness of God, especially the goodness of God in the past that transports that past, that hope from the past to the present. So the easiest question I've asked you all day, what current situation or what future situation do you need to run through the filter of God's previous works? Well, duh, the current situation that we're all in right now. We need to remember God's goodness in the past and run our current situation, our current crisis, and whatever the future holds through that filter. 
So when I stop to remember, it connects me with what God has done in the past. It allows me to experience what God is doing in the present, and it gives me confidence in what God will do in the future. Now, for me, I have one memory that kind of stands above all the memories. It was the time when I began this relationship with God. I was about eight years old. At that time, we were living in the state of Vermont. Remember, I told you we moved a lot. So we were living in Vermont, and we had come to Ohio, that great town of Ashland, Ohio, to visit my mom's parents and sister and stuff like that. And we were in a church service that day, and I was in the kids' room, much like when we meet in person, we have elementary kids in their own rooms. And I was in that kids' church that day, and it was a story I'd heard lots of times before about uh, the birth of Jesus, about his death on the cross for our sins, about his resurrection. And I'd heard it before, but it, it just made sense that day. And God was really speaking to my heart and letting me know that I had to make this faith response to him that day. And that's what I did. And that, that memory, that decision is the foundation of all my other memories of the goodness of God. So I'd imagine that, that several of you watching today don't have that relationship with God. And we are so glad that you've joined us. And you may be looking at, listening to me and looking back over your past and saying, I, you're talking about remembering God's goodness, but I don't have memories of God in my past. But I wonder if you would you know, say a quick prayer to God and say, God, I'm going to look back over my past again, and, and I wonder if you just show me where you were. And I bet if you're honest and open, when you re-look at your past, God would show up, and you could see his protection, you could see his love, his grace, his mercy. Really what it is, it's the story of how God is pursuing a relationship with you. So as you re-examine your past it may be a new lens, and you see glimpses of God, let that be God saying to you, I love you, I want a relationship with you. And then when you get to that point, well, what does this mean? How do I begin a relationship with God? I want to share a couple verses as we wrap things up. This is how you begin a relationship with God. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. The decision I made when I was eight years old was I believed in Jesus' death and resurrection for my salvation. I believed in his death and resurrection as the only way to make me right with God. And that's our invitation to you. If you look back over your life and you've seen God has been there, but you're not really sure what it means, we invite you today to begin this relationship with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus by putting your faith and trust in him. So when I stop to remember, it connects me with what God has done in the past. It allows me to experience what God is doing in the present, and it gives me confidence in what God will do in the future. So remember, remember not to forget. Don't forget to remember, and remember to remember. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the time you've given us together today to sing, to read your word together, to hopefully be encouraged, given a little bit of hope. And we know that you, your goodness, the amazing gift of your son, Jesus, uh, it is the foundation of all of our hope and all of our encouragement. So I pray for those who are listening today that you would just let them know that you're with them. You would give them your peace, your hope, your comfort in a way that only you can do. And whatever discouragement they're facing, give them strength. If they want to quit, God, don't let them quit. If they feel uh, discouraged, depressed, just encourage them. Whatever the needs of the people out there today, God, we pray that you would meet them. 
And for those who don't know you, who don't have a relationship with you, I pray that you would give them the courage, give them the faith to believe in you. Father, we're thankful for the memories. Bring those memories to light to give us confidence in the present and in the future. And Father, we are so grateful today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor James Solerick of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.